When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Danae, hit us with this week's spoiler theme song. That's all I got. That is is not a song. (laughs) That is a roar. Isn't some people, they sing like that. They just roar. Yeah. No, no. Spoiler, Luca. I don't even know what you just said. (laughs) I think you said spoilers and Cloverfield. I did. Okay. Uh I also lost my voice. So take it away. (laughs) Hold on a second. Let's all take a drink of water. (laughs) Yes. This is... This this one took it out. I was hold on. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm, refreshing. <laughs> nice. Okay, that's good. Welcome to the spoiler cast spoiler episode of Sif Pop. We are going to be spoiling Cloverfield. Actually, ten Cloverfield Lane. The spoiler cast, where the spoiler theme song is different every week because we don't want to give anything away. If you don't want to know what happened in Cloverfield, don't listen because we're going to just just smear this thing wide open. Yeah. Just gonna all right the from details, the beginning. You've right got five seconds. Beginning. Four, three, two, one. This was nuts. <laughs> there you go. Spoiled. It has been spoiled. Uh, wow. What what a movie full of twists and turns. There's uh, a lot to talk about. Considering... As mentioned on the on the podcast proper, I loved it. And I think she liked it, even though it's not her kind of movie. Mm-hmm. Um, probably in order to keep this under an hour, we will probably need to, you know, set we, some parameters. Yeah. The parameters are let's just let's talk about, you know, the plot, the spoilers, those kind of things. And. I'm talking for myself mostly just to quit like pouring love on it. Like, you know, to tell, talk about how awesome it was or how amazing it was. Get that. I believe that it was fun to talk about it in yeah, the listen, show. But listen let's... to the show proper about how we felt about this yeah, movie. Yeah. We're just going to talk about the how this story unfolds, which is a really interesting thing. And do you, do we do we unfold it as we watch it or do we just unfold it in whatever form comes to I mind? I think our typical route of doing this is to start from the beginning and then move. And then if we rabbit trail, we rabbit trail and we find our way back or whatever. And I think that works just fine. This movie starts off with us finding out uh, that this woman is dealing with a breakup of some sort and she has Engagement to leave. Engagement or marriage. There are several amazing shots of, yeah, there's a left, you know, wedding ring that, that shows up. There's a... Because I referenced it in the show proper, that's the only thing that I knew for sure was happening. You kind of mentioned like, we know all these things. Like, that's the only clear thing I knew is that there oh was a goodness. ring left. I learned so much about her character. There's this moment where you're staring out a window in the still shot and it's like, you know, a lamp and a bottle of some sort of alcohol. alcohol. And then she walks by quickly and the only thing missing is the alcohol. Yeah. You know, you know that kind of stuff where it's just, you know, you're learning she's going through something rough. You're seeing her cry on the phone. There's no dialogue. No, you don't it's, hear anything at all. In fact, it's just it's ambiance, really. Yeah. And, you know, and we, we're hearing thumps mm-hmm. and uh, we're seeing things shake. We're seeing like the almost like tremors. So it kind of feels like maybe that there's something big happening. Yeah. And I want to pause right here to kind of reference Cloverfield, the movie, because I did talk to my husband who had seen the movie the original movie Mm -hmm. and he explained to me that there was an alien attack found footage style in the streets of new york Mm -hmm. and you know it was this big big thump 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 thing having watched this movie i'm wondering if this happens at the same time oh i think absolutely okay i wonder what you thought into the attack i feel like this movie is happening concurrently with the original one or very closely thereafter and we're seeing an alien invasion type attack yeah but in this movie there's no alien 
par- component to this until the very end until the very end so you know watching it having not seen the first one and not knowing that there were really aliens involved except for that what i could remember from the marketing uh-huh. this could just simply be a bunker thriller until we're, we kind of come to see that maybe this you know guy that's captured her which we'll get to here in a second could be right that there was some kind of a attack so so uh, yeah i think the attack happened in the original that's like the onset of the attack and i think this happens probably like a month or two into the alien attack on earth i don't i don't know that i agree with that I well think because it's... they're all the way to houston like they are all the way to all these different cities and in the first one they were just in new york but but I don't I don't think so because there's an okay here's here's why I don't think so okay, I think yeah, it's yeah. all happening I don't I think that it's all happening without her having a knowledge that there's an alien invasion if this was an alien invade if an alien invasion had been happening for months I think that she would be more interested this would be oh my goodness oh my goodness you're so right you're you're so absolutely because right. because when Ben her boyfriend calls her which by the way played by Bradley Cooper we only hear his <laughs> voice how funny is that I didn't uh, even know that that's the first time <laughs> learning of that is that funny um. So I guess just quickly, what happens is she just basically takes a a box of stuff and gets in a car and just starts driving. And she's driving over a bridge and she's driving over here and she's just drive, drive, driving. We see that the scenery changes and she's stopping for gas at night and uh, which there's a truck behind her. And that's the first time we're like feeling like a weird sort of like, what is she being followed or something? Mm -hmm, I don't know. And then. um, But in that car ride. She gets a call from the person that she left. It says Ben on her phone. And we hear that conversation. This is the first dialogue we hear in the movie because we have been silent since it's just all music yeah, yeah. and ambience. And he's saying to her, we've just got into an argument. You know, uh, p- people get into arguments. Just say something. Please don't hang up. You know, so it's kind of like maybe an argument that they've had before. You get that kind of feeling. Yeah. And when he mentions you can't run again, she gets offended and she hangs up the phone. If this was an alien invasion that everybody knew about, you can be dang sure that on that phone call, he'd be like, there is an invasion happening right now and you need to get to safety. Right. Not, hey, just come back and let's work things out. I think no, this you're is happening right. you're simultaneously. Right. No, 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 you're absolutely right. The more that I, I thought about it. No, 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 you're absolutely right. I totally forgot about that. So so the, what's interesting about that, reflecting on this phone call and reflecting, we find out that her personality is usually to run when things get hard or to run when there's been abuse. Mm-hmm. So I'm also wondering, having seen this movie, if he was an, ab- abusive to her. Mm-hmm. Because it's not normal for you to have a, a simple argument and take only a box of stuff with you and leave yeah. and drive as far away as possible. Can I just say something? I thought I thought the entire theme of this movie was about escaping abuse. I thought I thought this was about being stuck in a relationship mm. where you're being abused and you can't escape and you don't understand it and it's confusing. And once you escape, mm-hmm. the world isn't perfect. <laughs> like there's still a lot of battles and scars and stuff to deal deal with. I maybe I'm just putting my own no, filter on I it. Think but you're I th- right. I thought that's what this movie was I trying to say. I also feel like she found her fight. In this yeah. movie, we see it from the very moment that so uh, she is in a car accident and it's a really bad car accident, really intense opening sequence. This is the title feature. This is when the title of the movie is as her How car cool is just that? being just, just demolished. And that's what I tumbles. mean by sound being a character in this, too, because it was they're crashing the, noises, they're, this huge crashing noises. Then it all goes completely silent when the titles come up. Yeah. Really intense. Yeah. It was like, you know, crash, 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 silent. Bad Robot presents and crash, when, crash, 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 silent. You know, something Ten else. Cloverfield Lane. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. And when she wakes up, she wakes up in, uh, in imprisoned, essentially. But the moment that she wakes up for the rest of the movie, it's all her thinking about how to get out of there. And she does. Well, 
there are brief moments where she makes peace with it. There is a brief moment yeah. when she makes peace, but it's very soon after that that she's right back into getting out of there. Yeah. And so I think you're right. This is about discovering whether you are or are not in a dangerous situation and getting out. And she might not know throughout the whole movie if she's really somebody who can fight or not. But by the end of this movie, she is for sure a fighter because she makes a choice to join the alien invasion fight and go to Houston mm-hmm. once she hears, you know, in the radio because she ends up escaping and, and all this stuff. And we'll get to that here in just a second, too. But I think that was an interesting development for her character that I began to really contemplate was there's a depth to this mm-hmm. that they don't ever really touch on. You are building this uh, understanding of her as you're watching her and none of it's being spoon fed to you. Yeah. So that was one of the things I couldn't say in the show proper that was my favorite part of this movie was really getting to understand Michelle from beginning to end mm-hmm. and thinking about it after after this movie ends, thinking about that phone call that she got and realizing she was probably in an abusive relationship because she was on the run. Yeah. You know, that's never indicated. She doesn't have bruises on her. Right. You know, there's nothing that kind of like, oh, she's in a bad situation. Right. You know? Which so. makes it feel so much more authentic because yeah. as an audience, you're watching something where all the clues aren't giving, you know, given to you. And that's actually true for Howard. Now, Howard played by John Goodman. Howard's character... Um, has a lot of mystery. And is he eccentric or is he evil? You know, he, you know what? He's crazy, but he was right. He's crazy. <laughs> you know, and that's the process you're going through with his character. Is in right from the beginning. I, again, I love that this movie lets you assume things or think things. She's all tied up in typical, you know, dungeon, f- dungeon. Kind of found myself in a bunker kind of place. And immediately, I'm thinking, okay, she's misunderstanding the situation. Somebody is trying to help her. And the movie lets you believe that about Howard, that he really is trying to help these people. And yet it doesn't force that on you. It lets you just kind of experience who he is. And yet every once in a while, he's just, he's off. He's like, he's, he's he's a little weird. He's a little creepy. And then you start finding out different little things and you're like, clues that are in the bunker. And and I also like this, the moment where you realize he is like, he's, he's a bad dude and has done some bad things based on his own internal struggles, you know, whatever. But the moment you realize that, well, there isn't a moment. And I love that. It's, there isn't just like a singular place I can point to and go like, we know for sure. Yeah. It was just progressive. Let me tell you, even though we don't know, did he kidnap somebody in the past? Has he done this before? Did he murder another girl? I mean, we know that now. Do we? Yes. Come on. Yes. That is never, that that is hinted at and it is not for sure. I push back on that a little bit because I mean, the fact that she scratched help uh, on the inside of the glass up there in the hydrochloric acid references yeah 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 he's we are led to definitely believe that he had yeah, I think, murdered I think... he had kidnapped somebody in the past held her in the bunker yeah and and whatever happened we don't we don't know but what we do know is that there's enough strange clues that michelle begins to discover as she is in this environment and she's able to bounce those ideas and her fears about herself feeling like she's been kidnapped because when she wakes up she has been kidnapped she has been taken from her car Mm -hmm. wreck and put into this bunker without any idea of what's going on and told to believe that this is a doomsday thing that there's been an attack you can't breathe the air and then we're introduced that there's another person in this bunker maybe potentially kidnapped as well Emmett. Emmett 
we find out Emmett actually fought his way into the bunker because he saw an apocalyptic type explosion. Mm -hmm. He had helped to build this bunker with Howard. And so he came to Howard to get to safety so he could ride out whatever was happening. Howard had pigs outside because they're kind of under his farm. And these pigs are basically dissolving because Mm -hmm. of the air is, is toxic. And he shows this to Michelle at one point in time as he's saying, See, you know, you can't go outside because she's trying to escape. You know, she tries mm-hmm. to stab him with crutches and she's trying to get out. And he's like, you need to understand I, you're here for your own safety. But John Goodman plays this character with just enough curiosity, like an anger, instant mm-hmm. anger, dangerous anger that he shows when he doesn't have control. And that is something that Michelle picks up on right away because she had an abusive father. So she knows those signs of somebody snapping and Mm -hmm. she knows he's dangerous. And so she's trying to like convince Emmett, this guy's kidnapped me. He's crazy, you know, and Emmett's like, no, he's I mean, he's eccentric and he's weird and he's like a conspiracy theorist. But he was right. Yeah, but he's right this time. We're here for a reason. At one point in time, Michelle ends up getting the keys and getting out Um, how she gets the keys. I want to talk about that scene here in just a second. But when she gets to the top of the stairs is when we realize as an audience watching, oh, Howard is right. There is something going on because a person was outside trying mm. to get into the bunker. Yeah. And they that were was messed creepy. Up. The whole scene was just nuts. Yeah. This is her first, her second, I guess, attempt to escape. Um, her first being when she tries to stab him with a crutch. The way she manipulates him. We'll start there yeah. at the table and, you know, ask for salt and pepper for the food that he prepared, which she knows will get under his skin because he was already talking about being a good cook and you know and, and she's put, flirting with Emmett when you put salt and pepper on you she know, touches Emmett's hand right yeah and so that's <laughs> bothering him um, she goads him into his anger because she wants to be close enough to him to take the keys away and it works and it works well we don't know it works until the camera pans down and pauses on her hands yeah clenching, and she's clenching him so they don't make noise and we're like oh my goodness the buildup of the scene Starting just a few minutes before with the gathering at the table, because even though there's weird stuff going on, Howard's trying to make it as simple as possible to just live a normal life. Mm-hmm. So here we are, you know, gathering around the kitchen table, you know, use your coasters. My table is a family heirloom kind of a feel. Mm-hmm. And we're like entering into this normal kind of conversation where someone's annoyed. Emmett's just talk, 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 talking. And it's annoying. I loved Emmett, by the way. I did, too. There's two bottles of, of cola, you know, on the table and he takes off his keys, which has the camera does a good job of making sure we always know where the keys are on his, mm-hmm. you know, his waist. He opens the bottle, puts the keys back, and uh, then she ends up goading him, and he gets angry. She gets the keys. He still has a second bottle of cola, and he grabs it and starts tapping the top, and he's thinking. And he, in that moment, shows us several things. One, she's starting to act weird. Like, she should. He just attacked her and got mm-hmm. angry with her, and it was screaming at Emmett. It just things got really awkward mm-hmm. in that moment, you know. But he sees something else even deeper than that, and he says something like, "I can smell a traitor. I can tell you're a traitor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What's going on?" And then he reaches for his keys and to open up his bottle of soda, and his keys are gone. Yeah. Oh man, when he is like, "Where are my keys?" You know, it's like, <laughs> and she cracks him on the head with the bottle. Throws a bunch of stuff in his way. Gets up there. Gets out the first door because there's two there's doors two to create doors. an airlock. There's like an airlock, yeah. And, uh, and, this and is actually when... gets the door shut and locked behind her. So she is free now. She's she free. has the key. She yep. can get through that second door. And that's when with the woman is trying to break in. And both the audience and Michelle realize, realize 
actually, maybe I something have to stay in here. And this is when the movie takes that supernatural turn for those of us who haven't seen Cloverfield. The first one is like, oh, what is going on? Because her face is like got boils on it. And she's clearly gone crazy. She starts bashing her head into the wall. Mm-hmm. It's a really intense moment. And Michelle goes back into her captivity. And things kind of take a normal turn. Uh, you know, they play video. They, they play, you know, board games and things like this. And they're also developing a sub uh, like a sub mystery mm-hmm. of who Megan is. Uh, Megan being his daughter. His daughter, and that's I mean that's the center of Howard's the story. daughter specifically. That is that is the center of Howard's journey. That is the center of the story that his daughter got taken away. And what what you eventually learn is that he kidnapped somebody and and st- stuck them in there to be like a substitute daughter to him. Potentially, and, that's the that's the kind and, of the and that now he's trying to turn Michelle into a substitute daughter as well and. And uh, and so, yeah, so you you learn about this and the picture, the picture he shows her is of the kidnapped girl, mm-hmm. not actually his daughter. Yep. And who he says is his daughter. And so, yeah. At one point in time, uh, you, there is uh, some kind of a, a shaking again. And I'm reminded of the first scene of the movie that there's still something really weird going on out in the world. And they realize that their air, air filtration system has kind of failed. Uh, Howard can't access the air filtration system because something is kind of faltered. The only way to get to it is actually to climb through the ventilation system. By the way, same exact scene as Finding Nemo. Continue. (laughs) It's kind of true, right? (laughs) So she is hoisted up into that system and kind of finds her way into another room that runs the more mechanical part of keeping the air clean and all this stuff. And there's actually another access point to get out of this bunker that Michelle sees. There's some light coming in. And so she climbs up and she's looking kind of out at the sky and wondering about life. And then she sees there's there's scratches. Yeah. Those scratch marks say help and it's scratched from the inside. Well, it's someone can read it from the outside. And it's a nice reveal too, because you don't see all of it. There's like a slide over it. So you see half the H to begin with and you're not sure what it is. And then she reveals it. You actually don't even really notice it. Yeah. And, and I love it because you know, it says help. Like it's when she she starts revealing, like, you know, it says help, but you, but you're just waiting to see it and then finally it shows it in the last few letters are bloody they do a really good job because they she starts to slide it open and you do know in your mind it says help and then oh yeah but this is help that says help i know it says help but you're looking at her face when Mm -hmm. she opens up and you see her realize it right and then as she's going back down it kind of quickly shows it to you and the l and the p uh, are bloodied Mm -hmm. so then you're like okay that's the next level of you know, and I was thinking, did she like did whoever was was were they scratching with their fingernail? Like how how did they get it bloody? But when, turns out it was yeah. The when earring. she gets to the bottom of the stairs, her bare feet, which we've seen over and over and over and over again, bare feet, which is a very vulnerable thing to have mm-hmm. in a movie That's for a many many point. reasons. That's a great point. So she's always vulnerable, but when she lands, it's her bare feet that feel. Uh, this thing and we don't even know what it is we don't see what this is until she reveals it to Emmett here in a moment what she reveals to Emmett back in the bunker is that the earring matches the same earring as the girl in the picture and she is once again trying to convince Emmett that there's something really off about Howard and Emmett's starting to realize yeah there is something off about Howard he's been really abusive and angry towards Emmett because Emmett actually represents the person that wasn't supposed to be in the bunker right I think for Emmett, that was the moment in that scene where she's revealing the earring and stuff where I started to follow the trail of what if Emmett is the one that kidnapped this girl? What if Emmett is really the the danger here? 
and that's just a, I think that's a product of just watching a lot of movies yeah. and trying to figure out twists and those kind of things. And again, I love that the audience let me, or that the, the movie let me think that without giving anything away or po- even like, like fake pointing in that direction. The movie yeah. never fake points that way. It just lets me go Wonder. that way if I want to. Your mind is going, mm-hmm. going, going. And I think there's a subtle difference there, right? There's a subtle difference in a movie that, that tries to do sleight of hand and look over here while this is happening well, in a movie that just lets you exist in this world in a way that you're going to do that naturally. It also does a really interesting thing because earlier when she had gone out to see the pigs and had been shown the pigs, she sees uh, Howard's car and it has, you know, marks on it and a paint from her car. And, mm-hmm. and she's like, she realizes that Howard ran her off the road. Well, that was paint from her car. I thought it was blood. And yeah, because her car was, yeah. Her car was red. And so she's like, she's like, uh, when she goes to try to convince Emmett, there's something off about him the first time she brings that up well howard after he you know gets cracked in the head with a bottle and then she ends up stitching him up he that was a great scene too yeah and there's this kind of crazy thing he tells her he's like um i'm sorry i am the one that i have a confession i ran you off of the road because i was in a hurry Mm. i was in a hurry to try to get to where i was going so closes that mystery in some ways but in my head i think i still wonder if he did it on purpose yeah you know i wonder yeah. i'm going to the bunker and i'm going to be there here's a girl that i just saw at the gas station i'm going to do this to her yeah. like I'm, i still wonder that so oh no i think that's what the, i think that's it, what we're supposed to believe it wants you to make assumptions and it wants you to not know the full mystery because that's what keeps this movie mm-hmm. kind of in your mind so it kind of does some interesting things. i love it because i i really feel like and in, in maybe maybe we're different in this way because i know you've talked about being a little confused by the movie maybe we can get more into that here in a second for me, I love it because I come out of this movie not being confused at all. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I know exactly what happened, but the movie doesn't make it black. I don't know it because the movie made it black and white. Right. I know it because it's the story that makes sense. I, I have and, an eternal struggle with wanting the movie to tell me what happened and yeah. wanting to make my own assumptions. Yeah. And that's where I just have to, it's it's my struggle. It's always like my I, struggle with, with storytelling. But, I want to know what happened, but then if they don't tell me... I'm okay with making my own assumptions, but I want to know what happened. But see, that's what I'm saying is I'm confident in what happened. Like I re- like you know, I believe this is what happened, and I believe the movie is tells me this is what happened, even though it doesn't explicitly tell me this is what happened. Another clue that Howard is off and has kidnapped this person, Megan, in the past is what happens after Emmett leaves the picture. So leading up to this moment, um, Emmett and Michelle decide that they are going to try to escape. Michelle um, says to Emmett, I think I can actually make a like a, a, a suit and a gas mask uh, based on the survival book that you know is in the bunker that mm-hmm. they have access to read whenever they want. They use the shower curtain and they begin to cut it up. And it is it is very intense because we know that if Howard finds out that anything is happening not according to plan, he doesn't have any grace. It's just immediate anger. I just changed my mind on something I said earlier. I'm just thinking about the scene because what happens is he finds out and then Emmett takes the blame. He pulls out his gun and shoots Emmett in the head. That actually is the moment where I think the audience is supposed to know for sure, okay, this is the bad guy. So there actually is a particular moment, the pulling of the gun, the shooting him in the head, that could be qualified at that moment. What's interesting is when I looked back at it, it felt more, I I think it still is progressive. I just think that's the precipice. Do you want to know what mine was? Because it wasn't when he killed Emmett. You still thought he might be okay? Can I tell you something like if you are a conspiracy theorist and you've built a bunker to survive uh-huh. and you, you're kind of like a little bit on the paranoid side yeah, and yeah. you have somebody living with you who is willing to attack you, 
you know, self-defense, you're thinking I'm going to protect myself and this other person by taking them out because they're obviously against me. So I can kind of see how someone, and he's crazy. Don't get me wrong. I was going to say to shoot him in the head right there. Don't get me wrong. He is, he is bat crazy. What creeped me out was when he reappears clean shaven. Mm -hmm. That was it for me. (laughs) That was it for me. I was like, he has cleaned himself up and is presenting himself to his new to substitute Michelle, daughter. his new substitute daughter. And that was, I was like, oh man, that simple thing that they did uh-huh. creeped me out. That was great. More than once almost again, anything. Once again, subtly. Didn't mm-hmm. have to like Didn't put play in to flashing it. Nope. lights or anything. He nope. just came back and he was shaven. And if he was you, clean shaven with ice cream. Yeah. And it was just like, oh buddy, he <laughs> is wackadoo. And they don't really waste any time. So what the, hey, can you come help me with something? Yeah, sure. And she's got this like suit kind of hidden under her uh-huh. cot, you know. It's the first time we're almost caught with a suit. Super yeah. creepy. You know, like, ah. So um, so she goes to help and, and she's hey, you know, Emmett, come over here and help me with this. And he opens up a secret panel and here's this huge vat of hydrochloric acid. And we're like, at first I think I w- technically it was a different kind of, like, I don't think it was hydrochloric acid. Oh. I think it was called something else. It was called, which it was I actually some- appreciated because it, was, it wasn't it was the typical was, oh, okay. kind of thing. But yeah. In my mind, that's why I ascribed it sure, to Sure, absolutely. Because that's kind of the one we all go to. He opens the lid and he's kind of like alluding to what's, he's telling him straight up. There's no mystery. He's like, this is what, this is what's in here and it'll eat up anything. And he, he, he has in his hand the duct tape that she'd been using and the scissors. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what are you guys doing with these? And this is when Emmett takes the fall and is about to get shot in the head. I was thinking, the whole time like Emmett you dork you dummy make up something else like yeah. you don't have to tell him the truth that you were thinking about trying to get his gun like what are you doing but but, but he's not very smart so but I Emmett is not very smart and I think that but at the same time uh, I don't think the movie plays his stupidity as a plot line for stupidity's sake. No. I think the movie plays his I would innocence. Call it innocence. Yeah I would call it innocence, his simplicity, of those yeah. kind of things. Yeah. He's um, only lived within a forty mile radius of where. But he's I think ever what we real, but what we realize in that scene is it doesn't matter. Yeah. John Goodman's character Howard has set that up to take him out of the situation. His goal has always been to have him and her alone. Yeah. In the bunker. And and, and so he's, he's going to use that to do that. Moment. Yeah. Yeah. To, and no I agree what, with so. I totally agree with that. So this is when he takes the fall. He shoots him in the head. Uh, it's intense. You know, it goes to like that ring out thing where mm-hmm. the sound kind of cuts out except for the ring of, of what you hear if you were in the room with the gunshot. So mm-hmm. we're hearing that ringing in the movie and then, you know, she just freaks out and backs up into a corner and John uh, or Howard rather is immediately comforting her. I, I had to do this for our safety. He was going to hurt us. We can see that psychosis kind of come back, uh, the hyper focus onto this, you know, Megan character, mm-hmm. whoever that, you know, his daughter, um, whoever that person was. So he says, you're not going to want to see this next part, kind of guides her away. She goes and she's looking over his wallet and we're calling a moment when she and Emmett had had a really open and honest kind of conversation, not even looking at each other on the opposite side of walls, talking mm-hmm. through the wall Again, to each other. Again, beautifully shot. Mm-hmm. Even though there's a freedom to kind of walk around, they're mm-hmm. in their own space. That's how it's preferred. And that's kind of the rules that Howard has set. And talking about the regrets, this is when we know that her regret is based on abuse. It's based on not having interfered and interjected her herself into a situation to save a little girl from being hit by her yeah. father and said she ran away like she quote always yeah. does those themes are so beautifully woven into this movie yeah and his regret not going and getting out of the town you know and so when she's reflecting on that conversation and looking through his wallet looking at his picture she's a plane ticket that he didn't take she's to a, get out the of bus town ticket, yeah, yeah that he didn't take so he uh this is when howard appears right back in front of her holding the ice cream clean shaven hey it's time for dinner 
And um, I don't remember if they go and eat or not. But really, the next kind of big pace of this is when she gets her main escape. Yeah. She gets her main escape in a way you're like kind of wondering how this is going to go down. She's, again, building this uh, suit to try to escape. He starts to come, you know, and so she has to hide uh, the mask. She hides the mask, you know, up in, in the vent, which the vent comes apart as he's walking out of the room. He stops. And suddenly it's escape time because he's angry because he realizes mm-hmm. that she has been, you know, trying to get out because he finds her stuff. There are. It was so intense. There's a visual theme in this movie of opening and closing doors. I don't know if you picked up on it at all, but right from the beginning, they very much emphasize how the the door latches and how it opens. And there's a sound. There's a very particular sound that, that it happens. And it's very loud and screechy every time the door opens. And uh, and so throughout this movie, there's, you know, escaping through doors, closing, locking somebody out of, you know, the space you're in and then welcoming them back, you know, going back into that space. And so there's this whole kind of theme. And so in this case, she's turning the tables. She closes the door on him in in there. She was trapped in for her escape. It's all about, you know, closing those doors behind her and trying to keep him from drawing her back in. He gets out. Um, she ends up, you know, creating another. Uh, she has other things topple on top of him because she kind of goes and she gets all of her equipment together to to try to escape. And she she's like, I got to get out, and I know how to get out because, you know, I went this way before. And so she gets up into the ventilation system. He's stabbed at the ventilation. Oh, should mention one of the most intense parts is when she kicks over that acid. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The sounds of him breathing it in and like yeah. sizzling and yeah. gurgling. Burning off half his body. Kind oh, of thing. that was intense. And so he's severely for the wounded. Most part, for the most part, it's not graphic about no, it. No, that's what I, I really appreciated yeah. is that, you know, when she kicks that over um, and she begins to escape barefoot, mm-hmm. you know, so she has to like jump over things and, you know, very vulnerable and then it kind of pans over and then it starts to short circuit the electricity and then a, like a fire starts out. Mm-hmm. There's a series of events that happen that whether or not she wants it to happen, she's got to get out. Yeah. And her escape moment was, I thought they did a really good job of I keeping it, was amazing. it incredibly intense. Did she, what did she, I'm forgetting, but it f- seems like she grabbed something. And I, and I, in the moment I was like, why, why is she grabbing that? Oh yes, yes. That's exactly what it was. Did you know why she grabbed that? At the very beginning, because I didn't, and I the and whole time I was like, "You got to get the keys because there's that last lock." Yeah, because they very cleverly showed it. To I was us thinking before. that too. I was like, "How are you going to get out of that last lock up there?" But once she grabbed it, I was like, "Ah, she." Because he had told the story off. about freezing doorknobs and yep. kicking them off or whatever. Yeah, I like that because I that uh, you know uh, I had an aha moment there that I think the movie wanted me to have. And again, it's presented in a way like if you know. That's great. You're just you're aware of it. It doesn't make it obvious. It doesn't, you know, telegraph it. Mm-hmm. It's just part of the, the story. And then if you're, you know, in my case, I didn't recognize that. I was like, what did she, I didn't even know what she grabbed. I thought it was like a can of hairspray or something. Like I did. Oh. Like I was just like, what is that? And then and then when she was like, oh, yeah, I thought at first she's going to use it as a weapon to spray the free stuff. That's, you I know. thought she was going to use it like a like a, a like a gun blow or something. To, yeah, like yeah. a blowtorch or something. So she had created an interesting, you know, suit. So she gets into the room where she had, you know, helped with the ventilation system before where she had found the help scribbled in and she starts to put her suit on and then she gets up to the top and there's this really great camera angle where we're inside of her face mask and we can see the panic in her eyes as she's just, 
you know, trusting that the suit that she just made is going to help her. And she sprays the lock, eventually gets that out. Now she's free. And this is when the movie dulls for me. It, it becomes this a is completely when the movie different film. I wouldn't like, say it dulls. I just think it, it becomes something completely different. It does. It, it becomes the movie that we're like, oh, this it, is an alien invasion. Yeah, it becomes Cloverfield yeah. at that point. We go from this beautiful metaphorical escape. Now, I do think that second movie, so to speak, still speaks to the metaphor because, uh, yes. you know, there is... She never stops fighting for her life. And she also, also the growth that she has had in becoming someone who comes to the rescue is her final decision is her final decision so the movie does a good job of keeping its themes consistent but at the same time it becomes so sci-fi when it has been so intimate conversation that mentally there's a shift that has to happen that i think is a little distracting we are at this moment really supposed to be believing that her character has grown to such a point that she is the superhero lead Mm -hmm. no matter what happens because she literally goes out of the frying pan and into the fire there's literally a fire going on behind her as the bunker is is blowing up but we get to see that she comes out she gets she there's there's two vehicles there's howard's vehicle and then there's Mm -hmm. the vehicle that the woman the woman used when she came you know up and a lot of noise is made explosions car alarms going off that gets the attention of what for sure is uh an alien craft that drops off an alien creature that comes over to investigate um and then she eventually kind of like goes and starts to run towards a house that a huge ship is behind and kind of reveals itself yeah yeah so she gets her suit, you know, back on, and because she had taken it off when she saw when she saw the birds were flying by that could breathe. Well, the she air. ripped it. She ripped it at first. First, she rips it, and I think that they did that for for a purpose. Like she truly believes she knows that Howard yeah. was right. You could see her panic of there's air getting. She believed in the suit. that he was right. Yeah, and so she's huh. like wrapping this duct tape around. I just had a thought. I just had a thought. Um, Howard mentions a couple things in the bunker very specifically about what really is going on. Like he mentions, or like space worms could be you know, right. coming in and doing like cleanup, you know, kind of thing, which is what is happening. Yeah. Are we, can we then infer that he actually, that the scanner is actually working and he is actually knowing what is going on outside, mm-hmm. but doesn't want to tell them because he knows the air isn't toxic, but that, that he's yes. still safer there? Yes, because he changes his timeline. He says one to two years. He says, well, we don't know how long it's going to be. He wants to be in that bunker with... Michelle, I just hadn't thought about the fact that he actually did know exactly what was going he on did. outside of the bunker. He did, and was was, was shading right. it to keep them in there because it was toxic. But then it clears up. It's not yeah. toxic that remains. And when this, well, but he's trying to pull the wool over their eyes. If that's and the case, because he, wants he talks to be in control. about yeah, because he's talking about nuclear attacks and the radiation won't be done for you know one or two years, mm-hmm. and and making it sound like it's always toxic out there, which mm-hmm. if he knows the truth, he knows that's not the case. He knows that it's not toxic all the time. Yeah. That's interesting. So she, though, doesn't know that at that point. Right. The birds fly by. She sees that. She takes her mask off, so now we don't have her in the mask anymore. And this is all homemade stuff. She did a pretty good job. She looks great. I mean, for someone who made, you know, a suit out of uh, a shower curtain, a with duck, a duck. Uh, with, a, with a rubber ducky on it. She's looking great. <laughs> it's very, very fancy for, yes. for what it is. Well, she was going to be a fashion designer. So. When the huge ship comes out from behind the house and begins to like crop dust, she gets her suit back on. She, you know, gets duct tape back on. There's still At the creature the helmet, coming after yeah. her. I mean, this is like, what is this? At this point in time, I'm thinking, you know, you're just you're not in good shape. Yeah, you're, you're not going to, you're, you're gone. A goner. This is interesting. I've just, I, she's 
going to escape this bunker only to die by I actually like that part. I actually I actually like the idea of is this is it going to be that kind of movie? Right. Where she, is she, gonna she die? just escapes to die. Yeah. And because Which movies is possible. Do, movies do that and right. and I can actually get behind that in some cases like, you know, there's something to be said about, you know, you there's, can't always escape. There's still an alien on the ground chasing her. She manages to get into the truck, has her mask ripped off by the alien creature that was on the ground. But this gigantic ship slash creature. Correct. Which if you if you know the original Cl- Cloverfield, that is... You the, know, the ship big, is a creature. Yeah, the, okay, that's okay. the big Cloverfield alien. Grabs the truck and begins to lift her up slowly in the truck. And there's just a brief moment we think that she gave up. When yeah. she puts her head back like, okay, I don't know what to do. Yeah. But then there's paper and then there's that beautiful bottle of alcohol that uh-huh. she'd grabbed at the very beginning of yep. the movie happens to be in Howard's truck because he took all of her stuff with her. And he just, and he even mentioned it in the movie. I just forgot to grab it out of the truck. I wish I would have grabbed the alcohol, but all I have is this, you know, mm-hmm. so it's kind of been referenced. And she remembers that when the explosion happened, the alien creature didn't like it. So she takes one good chuck, chucks the bottle of whatever it was, alcohol with a good flame popping out of the top into this creature's mouth. And the creature drops her and and does it without any kind of clever one liner. No, she just does it. Yeah, I think she might drop it. She drops an f bomb. I think uh, that, at one point in time, she dro- which she is drops totally the PG-13, appropriate. The, Let's the just PG-13's be honest. One f bomb. <laughs> she drops when she realizes she just escaped one life threatening situation to enter an even more life threatening situation. But there's genuinely an alien attack yeah. going on. Um, when she comes to after falling to her second car crash, uh, there's the creature kind of falling to its death in the background and then she gets into the car and begins to drive away and here's on the radio that there is safety north of baton rouge and they've taken there's back the help coastline needed in houston in houston and she comes to a crossroads a literal crossroads and decides to turn towards houston credits roll credits roll so we're led to believe that she has really truly embraced not running any longer but really embracing that she is Fighting a survivor and a fighter mm-hmm. so if there's going to be another movie I wonder if it'll be about Ben, starring Bradley Cooper. Could be. <laughs> Could be. I don't know. I I love when people talk about expanded universe, the idea that movies are not doing as much sequels and prequels anymore, but just telling stories that exist in the same universe. Mm-hmm. Marvel is kind of the best example of, right. of that. Um, these are the kind of movies that I'm excited to see come from that. Uh, I think also similar will be uh, Rogue One, the next Star Wars movie. The same idea happening at the same time in a happening, different part. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I love that. Uh, to me, that's what it's about. When you find a movie universe that you just love to exist in, to find a different story to tell that doesn't have to have the same characters, doesn't have to have the same people in it, doesn't even have to have the same tone. You know that that to me is is more interesting than just oh here's the next Cloverfield with the same characters and what are they doing now and you know uh, I like that better and and I thought this was brilliantly done. In that way, one of the jump things I was referencing just before we wrap this up was when she is crawling to her safety and he's mm-hmm. stabbing at her through the thing. That yeah, yeah. was my jump moment. Yeah, but I guess it's expected. It is. You know, it's coming. You know, you know he's coming you know, after her. Yeah. And the other one, the other one is with the crawling alien, and you see it blurry in the background. You know, mm-hmm. chasing her to the truck. So when it pops its head onto the window, it's not a jump scare. It's a suspense scare. It's just we knew it was coming. But it's still scary. It's just like, you know. It pops ahead on the window and onto her mask. Yeah. There. That's yeah. too close. <laughs> the mask made of a soda uh, container. So it's not that like there whole, was that much. That whole alien mouth within a mouth within a mouth thing. 
it's just like there's something so creepy about it. Okay, have you seen this is di- this is disturbing on a level. Uh-huh. Okay. But thanks to uh the user sub of Imager. <laughs> I saw the terrifying trip that anything takes when it's swallowed by a sea turtle. Oh, really? Yeah. I have not seen that. So, but it's a human hands that are just rolling, you know, inside of itself what you see when you're looking at the gullet of a turtle. Okay. So obviously the turtles died, which is the sad part because I okay. love turtles, but it is terrifying. Yeah. It is, it is a whole bunch of just spikes and spikes. It's an un- unending spikes. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And on that note, <laughs> I think we've spoiled about all we're going to spoil about 10 Cloverfield Lane and the turtle digestive system. Thanks for listening to the spoiler cast of Sif Pop. If you would like to listen to Sif Pop proper, you can listen to the recording of the show live with a live audience on Mixler. You can listen at Mixler.com slash shoe the dough. That is M I X L R.com slash shoe the dough. You can also catch our show in your podcast feed, which you probably already have because Sif Pop Pop. Spoilers only exists in the That's right. spoiler. Only feed. right here. I also really loved the uh, the jukebox. That was one of my favorite oh, things yeah. too. Playing like classic old songs. We didn't that... talk about that. That this has yeah. a really good humor and just yeah. normalcy to it. Yeah, yeah. It does such the a good humor job. Isn't forced or anything like that. It's just a normal part like, of. Oh, this is a normal show. Yeah, oh, yeah. this is a creepy show. Oh, this is a normal <laughs> show. Oh, this is a creepy show. If you decide to see uh, the movie and you want to add your thoughts to it, we always love to hear your thoughts. You can email us. Aaron and Danae at gmail.com. And we also would love to invite you to listen to our other podcasts, Shoe the Dough, and also New Music Digest, which you can find on iTunes or Stitcher. And all these podcasts recorded live from a bunker. In the heart of the Ozarks. In the heart of the Ozarks, in a storm shelter. Made possible by our Patreons. That I noticed Danae locked the door when she came in, so I'm going to try to escape. I hope you don't have any acid, man. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to the show. Have a good day. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.